we see Jonah in the belly of the beast. Oh, I keep saying beast. Anyways, the fish. We see him in chapter 2, verse 1, that he just kind of starts talking to God and has this moment of reaction. It says, then Jonah prayed to the Lord his, his God for him from inside the fish. When we look at this prayer in chapter 2 of the book of Jonah, two things really happen. He, he, he pleads to God for rescuing him from death, which is what he deserved. So he shows humility. Then we see him confess to God's mercy and just say, like, God, you, you have been so merciful to me and talks about repentance. And then he just kind of expresses his acknowledgement of how miraculously he, God's dealt with him, which talks about his worship to God. All right. Let's look at that prayer real quick in chapter two. Pretty much chapter one takes place in his dis dis disobedience of Jonah. Then the chapter one ends with Jonah going into the belly of the beast. And then chapter two it's just Jonah inside the fish praying to God. All right. Chapter two, verse two to six, it says, he said, I cry out to the Lord in my great trouble. And he answered me. I called to you from the land of the dead. And Lord, you heard me. You threw me into the ocean's death. I sank down to the heart of the sea. The mighty waters engulfed me. I was buried beneath your wild and stormy waves. Then I said, oh, Lord, have you have driven me from, the, from your presence. Yet I will look once more towards your holy temple. I sank beneath the waves and the waters closed over me. Seaweed wrapped itself around my head like a sushi roll. No, just kidding. Just kidding. That's not what that says. Um, I sank down to the very roots of the mountains. I was in prison in the, in the earth, whose gates locked shut forever. But you, O oh Lord, my God, snatch me from the jaws of death. So we, we start to see this humble version of Jonah being displayed here. He was humble, tossed, and saved all in an instant, in a matter of moments, just constantly things, different things being thrown at him in this moment. He knew that he had resisted God with his stubborn pride. Um, he knew that he had done what he had done. And how he had done it, you know. Now he's fully realizing that death would have been the fairest thing that would have dealt with his life. You know, and, and in a sense, you know, you and I need to come to a point in our lives where we have to realize that sometimes, listen, death should have been the solution for our lives. The way we acted, the way we behaved, the things that we did that went against God. And, and listen, I know you're sitting here I'm not taking fault like that. You want me to carry this guilt trip? No, the truth is when, we, when we're dealing with a, with a perfect God who is holy, 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 we just get smaller and more evil and smaller as individuals. Sadly, that's the case. That's the challenge. God saved Jonah from the sea, okay? And Jonah experiences this traumatic experience Okay, think of it this way. After everything calmed down and he was still thrown in, guess where he was? In the middle of the ocean. Still. We learn an incredible principle here that in the middle of the unknown will allow us at times to, to position ourselves with humility, to be reminded that God is still who he is. That he can still do great things even if you're in the middle of the ocean. 
Humility is good because humility is honest. It tells it like it is. It brings forth a level of repentance that understands fault. That realizes, no, I have not been good enough. It's not meant to put us down, but it is meant to bring us awareness of how weak we really are. You know, verse 4, he says, oh, Lord, you have driven me from your presence. Jonah is saying, like, I've lost contact with you. And I've told you guys before that hell isn't, isn't bad because it's hot. It's bad because of those reasons. But the tricky part about hell is the separation from God that takes place. It's the loss of access to the Savior. Eternity in hell is the worst because we have no access to our Creator anymore. Because an eternal separation takes place. That's the scariest part about hell. Yes, it's going to be hot. But the solution at times in our lives is for us to repent and run towards Him. Thankfully, today we have the cross of Jesus. Amen? We could do just that. No matter how far we have come, God, there is still hope to run back to Him. It is a different level of posture that we must take when it comes to our dealing with God. When it's compared to our lives. In Luke chapter 18, we find this point of humility bringing us to repentance in a prayer of a tax collector. The Bible tells us that he stood far away in shame, put his head down praying for forgiveness while others prayed boastfully. Check this out. Luke chapter 18, verse 9 to, 9 to 14. It's coming. Here it is. Blink and it'll be up here. It's here, here. Okay, this is it. All right. So then Jesus told this story to someone who had great confidence in their own righteousness and scorned everyone else. Two men went to the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee and the other one was a, a despised tax collector. All right. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed this prayer. He said, I thank you, God that I am not like the other people. Wow. Cheaters, sinners, adulterers. I'm certainly not like the tax collector. That guy's standing right there. I, fight, I fast twice a week, and I give you the tenth of my income. Wow. Perfect church member. Sign him up. He's ready. But the tax collector stood at a distance and dared not to even lift his eyes to heaven as he prayed. Instead, he beat his chest in sorrow, saying, Oh God, be merciful to me, for I am a sinner. I tell you this, the sinner, not the Pharisee, return home justified before God, for those who exalt themselves will be humble, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Amazing. Some level of posture when we come before God, acknowledging that, listen, I'm here to own 100% of my 1%. Jonah, while feeling pushed away from the Lord due to his sin, repents and looks for God's mercy. For most of us, the problem sometimes isn't our knowledge, isn't the debt of our theology, it's the, it's the humility of our hearts, friends. It isn't how much you know, 
This prayer paints this progression of Jonah going down and down and down while understanding that he is swallowed by this great fish. That feeling is that he, he was just judged by God and separated from him. This is, this is referred to in scripture as the Sheol. All right. It's an Old Testament reference to a place of holding for the dead. It's not heaven or hell. It's a place of separation away from God while you wait. It's that parable in, 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 of the rich man and Lazarus in Luke chapter 16. Sometimes we catch ourselves waiting in this place where it's weird, where we don't hear from God, where, where we just don't, don't understand what is going on in our lives. And God is just strictly putting us to a process that we don't yet understand. You know, I, you may say, Moises, but my job is to live for God. And to do all that I can to live for him. And I just want to remind you, God has never asked anyone to live for him. However, he's asking all of us to surrender to him. That takes humility. Our actions, the steps that we take in life, the things that we're able to accomplish as human beings, as Christians, may get us somewhere. But ultimately, the plan of God for our lives and how he wants to orchestrate that is what's going to have the fulfillment and the impact of your life. Let's continue with the prayer. Seven to ten. One of my favorite words in scripture. In chapter two of the book of Jonah, as my life was slipping away, I remembered the Lord. And my earnest prayer went out to you in your holy temple. Those who worship false gods turn their backs on all God's mercies. But I will offer sacrifice to you with songs of praise. And I will fulfill all my vows. For my salvation comes from the Lord alone. Then the Lord ordered the fish to spit Jonah out onto the beach. You know, sometimes the most difficult part of our journey is back to the place where you failed. It's to those places where we struggle with God and we had setbacks. When we struggle with our present, we need to remember our past and how God dealt with those things and those encounters and how he is faithful from the beginning to us. You know, because our past is full of evidence that gives my future certainty and fullness to continue to move forward as a believer of God. And the things that take place in my life, I'm able to look back and say, this happened to me and God took me through this path and now I'm able to stand and do what I do. Jonah, towards the end of his conversation with God, begins to worship God because he remembered. He wasn't living in the past. It's simply remembering the evidence. There is plenty of evidence in your life. And I don't even know you that well sometimes but I know my God. And I know that he takes us all through a process. And there is evidence in the room of his faithfulness and his goodness and his purpose. Sadly, remembering God is the last thing we do. Right? I told you two weeks ago or last week that sometimes we, 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 we like to play the victim when things go wrong and we like to play God when things go right. The last conversation we had, we end up having when we're going through a struggle, sometimes is the conversation with the Lord. 
when it should be the first one that we have. It's easy to go to God with 911 calls. You have no choice. He is the only person, the only one that has never failed you. Can't even call it a man. People like to say the man upstairs. There's no man up there. It's God. He's the all-knowing, all-powerful God. I got to go talk to the man upstairs. No. There is no man up there. Thank God there's no man up there. There are different things in our lives that are going to call us different ways and try to get your attention and, 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 and calling us away from God. But, you know, we can't be distracted by simple solutions that we come up with. Listen, I'm the guy that's always trying to fix a problem. My wife sometimes is just trying to tell me something. And before she even gets any words out of her mouth, I'm already telling her, we could do this, 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 and that. And she's just like, can you just listen to me? I'm just trying to talk to you. You know? We're always trying to come up with solutions. We do the same thing with our lives in God. And those solutions end up falling flat. It is as simple as turning to the one true God and let him move on your behalf. Ephesians reminds you of the power of our praise. When you remember, you start to praise God. You start to worship him. You have this moment with God where you begin to see how good his, he, he, he has been. Verse 6 and 7 in, in Philippians chapter 4. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need. And thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we could understand. His presence will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. And you may think this sounds awful. Why would I sound like on that hospital bed saying, thank you, Lord. My shoulder is dislocated. The right one, the good one. Isn't God good? But when our mouth is full of thanksgiving, our heart can be, can't be full of doubt. There's no room for it. Jonah prays in the most challenging of times. This is not just for the immediate circumstances or the 911 calls as I was referring to. We come before him and we praise him. So then the praise becomes the expression we give to the worship we live. Why? Why? What does worship do in our lives? Worship is when you're aware that you have been given far more than you deserve. Worship is the awareness that were it not for the touch of God in your life, you'll still be hurting, bitter, and broken. Worship is the thank you that refuses to be silenced. Worship is a voluntary act of gratitude offered by the saved to the Savior. We're trying to make this science of worship. Like there's this science to it that it needs to be done a certain way. And worship is simply gratitude, guys. It's just standing before your God and remembering, man, I got no words. This, this is amazing. You know, I, 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 you hear me, you know, a, a lot of times you'll see me worshiping God and I, I start to cry because I'm, I'm just reflecting on what the song is saying and, and how my life is, is just kind of done without God in a way. You may have no reason to worship God today, but I guarantee you that if you were to look back just a little further, you will have plenty of things to be thankful for. 
This is important because happiness does not generate gratitude. It generates, gratitude generates happiness. You follow me? Jesus said, I very truly, I tell you, and this is one of the verses I live by. You are looking for me, not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate your loaves and had your fill. <laughs> and catch this. You're not faithful to God because you're waiting on the next miracle. You're faithful to God because you're full of God. You worship him because you ate the loaves and had your fill. If God stopped today, he has already done enough. There's nothing left for God to do in your life. You can have a list of prayer needs. And if he stopped and never did another one of those things, he had done enough because you ate the bread and had your fill. Live life through those lenses. Worship God through that concept. Take self out of it and find a way to say, God, I worship you, not because what you're about to do, but because you've already done so much. Man, Jonah remembered. It says, and I remember the Lord and his prayer shift. And he starts talking to God completely different. You're not here because you don't know. On the contrary, you're here because you do know. Gratitude brings awareness of the giver. Max Lucado said this, he was fully human, he was fully divine. Because of the first, we draw near. Because of the latter, we worship. Amen? When Jonah found himself in the fish, Jonah cried out to the Lord for help. Although Jonah considered himself as good as dead, God responded to his prayer and spared his life teaching us this lesson that we should never give up hope. Even if a situation in your life seems impossible, even when we are responsible for our own problems, even when it's been 1% our fault, 2% our fault, 3% our fault, we, we got to get out of our minds that we are responsible for everything and start looking at things from a response-able concept. You could respond to God by seeking him. By knowing things are difficult, they haven't gotten better, but I have a God who has been faithful to me, and that is something I could rely on. Man, I, I guarantee you it's going to be proven time and time again that when we look back to how God helped us, to overcome our problems and the reasons why the problems took place in the first place, we look back and see amazing outcome after outcome. I never thought I would be standing in front of you guys preaching this gospel. I was supposed to be the president. <laughs> no, I never thought I was going to be the president. I just thought I was going to be in politics. It interests me. <laughs> you would vote for me, right? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm not starting my political campaign now, okay? You don't have to worry. <laughs> Pastor for president. We're getting t-shirts. They'll be ready next week. You know, it's, it's interesting because we see a, in chapter 2 of the book of Jonah, we see a super depressing prayer recounting the events that took place to Jonah in that moment. 
And chapter 2 of the book of Jonah is known as a poem. It's not as a dreadful experience that took place. No, instead, Jonah tells us as a poem. He writes it down as a poem for people to grasp the beauty of the involvement of God in his life and how amazing it came together. Such a tragic process and a tragic story and is written down on scripture as a poem. Of course, Jonah's not writing it while he's in the belly of the beast. He's writing it after everything took place. I said beast again. It's fish. (laughs) So guys, go back to the story and don't miss the miracle. Look back in your life and see how much God has done. These things will fuel your future. Only two chapters in the book of Jonah have gone by so far, and we have already seen seven miracles. The the, the thing is, have you seen them? This is a perfect example. So far, the Jonah story has looked pretty tragic, but God has already accomplished seven miracles. I'm trying to help you understand that sometimes the perspective we have on our lives is what's driving us the way it's driving us. You think God is quiet, you think nothing is happening, and miracles are taking place, but we're missing them. God sends a storm. He directs the casting of the, of the lot, so Jonah is exposed for guilt. He calmed the sea, arranged for a large fish, kept Jonah alive inside the fish, caused the fish to carry him to dry land, and had the fish vomit. Miracle after miracle. God's divine involvement in a really bad situation. But if we don't pay attention, we'll miss it. If we don't pay attention, we'll miss it, you know? Listen, I'm not asking you to look back on your life and just repeat the moments that took place and, and, and go back and, no, I'm remind, I'm, I want you to look back in your life and be reminded of God's amazing involvement. Because I'm a firm believer that if I gave everybody here the mic, you will have one testimony after the next of things that took place in your life where God was incredibly good. I'm not asking you to waste your time trying to repeat moments of deliverance, no. You don't need to bring him back. In fact, the Bible says that his mercies are what? New every day. So stop looking for things that are lost. They're gone. Those things are gone for a reason. One of the biggest time wasters we have in our lives is that we're looking for things that are lost. And friends, many times things that are lost are gone because you never had room for them in the first place. God never wanted you to have them in the first place. Times of difficulty should draw us closer to our Savior, not further away from Him. It's this posture that acknowledges who He is and what can happen if we allow Him to work in our lives. A posture of humility, repentance, and worship. Do this in your life and you will see God accomplish amazing things in it. I believe One of the things that I love the most about golf is the mulligans. It's the mulligan. It's the free shot. You want to take a mulligan? Hey, man, you pay your money. Take a mulligan if you need to. You know, you feel a little dirty taking it, but you do it anyway, and you're like, hmm, this worked out. Sometimes it doesn't work out. Sometimes the mulligan ends up being worse than the other thing. 
But I, I, think, I think that God has sort of like the, the mulligan reset button ready for you. And the, only, and the only person standing in the way of it is us. It's, it's us, us looking at our life through that lens. God is ready to reset it and take you to the next place. And, and it's just us. It's just acknowledging in humility that we need to repent and that we need to worship him for what he has done in our lives. Jonah 3, 1 to 2 says, Then the Lord spoke to Jonah a second time. There's the mulligan. Get up and go to the great city of Nineveh and deliver the message I have given you. It's not over unless you want it to be. That's it. It's only over if you want it to be. I believe in a God of second chances who is capable of accomplishing way more than you thought he would. Take the mulligan, <laughs> as silly as that may sound. Take the mulligan in your life. Be humble, repent, and remember. Amen? Bow your heads and pray with me. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we, we could only learn so much from the experience that Jonah had. Lord, you, you took him through a process that sometimes for us is hard to understand, that many of us wouldn't even survive if we went through it ourselves, Lord. I just pray, God, that we would feel the concept of this new opportunity that you're giving us, that whether our trials and our problems and our issues have led us astray in one way or another, Lord, let us understand that you are a God of purpose trying to accomplish many things in our lives and help us, God, to comply with the next steps that you want us to take. We want to honor you, God, in everything that we do. So would you forgive us? We humbly come before you right now and ask for forgiveness, Lord. You have been more than good, more than enough to all of us, God. And I just pray that you would continue to touch our lives and help us as we journey on this road with you together, Lord. Give us guidance and hope to know that there's a joy and peace awaiting us, God. That's like nothing that we've ever experienced. Thank you, God, for being so good. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen.